0: morning, folks. It's good to see you today in this place. Uh, if you're worshiping online with us, we're glad that you'll be listening later this week. Um, and if you're first time hanging with us today or you're newer, um, we want to say welcome this morning. They're going to get that ironed out back there with a the little wobble, wobble, wobble in the mic, right? It's good to see you today. Uh, this morning, we are in week two of this message series entitled Burdens and, and Blessings. And if you've noticed in the bumper clip, just as it was last week, we're we're using this uh, these two words to really give the basis for action, right? Is to see a burden be a blessing. That's what we're going to be talking about uh, the, over the next few weeks, but also overarching theme for our messages over the next seven, eight, eight, even nine months is that we want to be a people who see a burden and we be and we pursue to be a blessing to others. Uh, about five years ago or so, I went to the optometrist. How many of you go to the optometri- optometrist when you're supposed to, right? No, you don't, right? And I don't either, I don't either. I look at it as if I can read, we're good, okay? Like, if we can read good. And now, if you're like me, sometimes you have to put it further away or closer up, depending on what the light is, but it all shakes out in the end. Uh, uh, whatever. Right. And so I went to the optometrist as it was my deal and my job to go do that because I realized when I sat at the computer long enough, I was getting kind of headaches. Right. And I thought well, it was probably cause I need a new computer. That's probably what the issue is. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but when it all shook out in the end, apparently it's not. And so I went to the optometrist and they checked it out and the guy kind of looked in my eyes and you know how they do and they blow that air in your eyes, which is completely unnerving and, and then it gets done. And he says to me, these words that I, I, I remember thinking, wait a minute. Right? He says, I think you need bifocals. Okay, that's what I said, right? And, and, and for those of you that know the word bifocals, what he really is saying is you are old. That's what I heard, right? Like, like you are aging, you are nearing death. Like it progressed in my mind as I heard that. And so the time came where I got these glasses. I went back, you know, a few weeks later, you know, they put your glasses together, you get your glasses, come back. And he's like, how do you feel? I'm like, I think, okay. Like, you know, and I'm trying to learn that there's this invisible line that's in there. You're supposed to look down here and up here and out there. And I, and I was fine really in the office until I walked outside to get in the car and I started driving home and I felt like I was driving a semi right like maybe you've had this experience before where the ground was really far away right and I'm only in a car I'm not that far off the ground but it was very awkward for me to use these glasses now I used them for a while right I did that for a while and to be fair I noticed them this week sitting on my wife's dresser in our bedroom which means she found them okay like because I haven't used them for that long But in regards to my bifocals, in regards to glasses, if you wear them in any way, you know that it does bring clarity to the way you see things. And sometimes we don't realize how much we couldn't see, just like me, until I got glasses and went, Oh, that's the way that's supposed to look. It just seemed to be more clearer. And today what we're going to look at is how it is that we see burdens. What is it that inhibits us from seeing the burdens of others? What inhibits us even of seeing the burdens in our own life, and how is it that we respond to that? You see, because this Burden and Blessing series really, as I said last week, comes from the root of Jesus' ministry as a whole. Is that that's why He came, as we stated last week, is that God identified a burden we had, which our burden was sin, and Jesus came to be the blessing that gave us an opportunity to alleviate that burden from our life. And so in turn, we want to emulate Jesus, though we are not the one who is the Savior of all and we don't claim to be, but rather we are the ones who want to be like Jesus in regards to seeing burdens and being a blessing. And so today I want you to grab your pages, your devices, and turn to Luke chapter 13. This is where we're going to see a situation, a story, an account where Jesus comes into contact with a woman who has a burden. But just like in any story, in any account in Scripture, there always is the one that Jesus was ministering to and then those who had issue that Jesus was ministering to them. Right? Is that this is a a give and take in scripture. Almost always there is the people who needed help. And then there was the Pharisees, Sadducees, the religious elite, can we just call them the church of then, right? That had problem with the way and who it was Jesus was ministering to. So if you turn to Luke chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 10 today. And the first three verses set the stage for the for kind of what's happening here. It says on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 what? Years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. It continues on. It says this, it says when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and what? Praise God. See, there's this moment where there's ministry happening. We don't have a lot of context of it, but it seems though he calls her forward, which means there was a crowd, right? There's a crowd of people that was there that followed Jesus regularly, and she apparently slipped into the crowd or was new to the area where Jesus was at and saw him, and he noticed her and called her, calls her forward. And as he does that, as you can see in the account, is that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, she is healed because Jesus heals her and she gives praise to God. Now, many of you in your life, you have either experienced that where you praise God for a work that he's done in your life or you've seen others who have praised God for the work that he's done in their life, right? And and you see it and you're happy about it. You're ecstatic for it. You're thankful for it. But then have you ever had verse 14? Ready? Here we go. It says, indignant. <laughs> don't you like that word, right? And I don't know how many times that's in Scripture, but I'm pretty sure it's associated only with the people we're going to talk about here in verse 14. It says, indignant because Jesus had been he- had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, the- there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. What a buzzkill. Amen? Can we say that right? is that a lady comes and is healed that was sick for 18 years. And what the Sabbath leader, what the synagogue leader, we call them a Sabbath leader, the synagogue leader does is it says, there are days for such things. Today's not that day. Now I want you to think about that in 2018 terms. What he's saying is is you can allow the ministry of God to be real six days a week. But on the day we're supposed to gather together and the day it is that you're supposed to rest, don't by any means think that you're going to heal somebody on that day. Now, I want you to think through this real quick with me before we unpack this. Is it which days did God create at the beginning of Genesis? Do you remember this? Which days did he create? This is really simple, right? There's seven days in a week. Which days did he create? Seven! Okay, easy, real easy, right? Seven! He created all seven days. And on the seventh day, it said Jesus, that God rested in creation. What the, Sabbath, what the synagogue leader here is forgetting is that God is the creator of all those days. It's that God is the owner and possessor and the blesser of all those days. So maybe you've seen this, but maybe it's, maybe you need to hear it today, is that religious hearts guide religious eyes. Unfortunately, when we are using eyes for seeing to identify the burdens of others, we need to remember that our eyes don't just see it, our heart identifies and connects with what we're seeing, right? If you've ever been to the park before, maybe it's the Topeka Zoo, there is like a carousel, right? Have you seen the carousel? How many of you get nauseous on the carousel? Like me, up and down, round and round. It's meant for kids, not Nate. I get that, right? But when kids are on the carousel and they're going up and down and around and around and they're enjoying it, I've never seen anyone sit on the park bench and go, hmm, right? Like, they're having too much fun. Okay, like, we need to slow that down. They're having too much fun. But for the religious leaders that day, this is what happens when when their heart is speaking to what their eyes are seeing. It dictates how it is they view the work of God. You see, the rules and regulations of man were dictating who the, these men saw, and even if they saw this woman's, woman's pain. Over 18 years, she was overlooked and ignored, and even, well, even, even better. They decided that there was one day a week she couldn't, be, she couldn't be healed. You see, some of you have experienced this before. You've experienced the healing, you've experienced the ins and outs, but you've also experienced when you've had the burden, right? And somewhere along the way there's religious people who have this wrong heart that kind of puts you into a box to let you know whether God was for you or God was not for you. And for some of you maybe it's been in in divorce, is that people don't know all the information of your divorce, they don't know all the relational, the whole relational situation, but they right away go divorced and well, there there there's certain days for, for you. right? Or maybe for others it's the idea of unplanned pregnancy is that there are people, that, or women, that you've gotten preg- that they're pregnant and all of a sudden and a couple maybe got pregnant and they're, they're not married. Whatever the situation may be, that people start saying, I determine, determine when God is there for you. Or maybe it's just the idea of the need for food. I, I know it's such an ironic thing to think about, and maybe it's something that we always don't keep at the forefront of our mind. But we have people in our country that truly, on a day-to-day basis, do not have food. Uh, that seems like something that we wouldn't think about because that seems like something that happens overseas in third world countries, but there actually is a, a rate of individuals who actually according to the international standards would be considered starving on a daily basis and the question is how does the religious respond to them? Does the religious religious respond to them the way that the religious teacher did that day is that there's only certain days for you or does he or do he respond the way Jesus Look what he says in verse, in verse 15 and 16. To the religious leader, the Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Now, real quick, how many of you does that excite you, right? If Jesus says to you, you hypocrite, right, you go, not me, right, like, not me. But notice what he does here. It says there's a religious leader who speaks up, but he says hypocrites. You notice what this is. Anytime there's legalistic people, there's always a spokesman. Do you remember that? Like There's always religious spokesman, but they have a crowd that's around them. And Jesus doesn't just address the individual. He addressed the whole crowd. He says, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what? Bound her? Notice what Jesus does there. He compares the fact that you, you let your horses and donkeys go eat and drink on the Sabbath. Are you telling me they have more value than this woman?? Right? Now, I know a lot of us here love cats, right? And we like dogs, but the reality of it is, is Jesus puts this in pretty clear, clear form here, is He tells them that there is a love that they have more love for a donkey than they do this woman in her pain. You see, our sight is less blurry and more focused on the burdens of others when we allow our hearts to be molded by the love of Christ and not hindered by religious well, religious acts. See, it comes when we allow ourselves to be clothed with Christ. Colossians 3.12 tells us this. It says, Therefore, as Christ, God's chosen people holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. See, there's something about that when Christ comes to be owner of our life is that we begin understanding more clearly the burden that's in someone's life, and we identify it more clearly. For the religious leader that day, his issue wasn't that he didn't think the woman had a problem. He just didn't think it was that big of a deal. And the reason he didn't think it was that big of a deal, because according to his religious heart, donkeys were the same as this woman. And so therefore, it seems as though that this is nothing new about being clothed with Christ, nothing new about God changing us, because Psalm 116.5 tells us about God's heart. It says this, it says, The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of what? Compassion. You see, this is why Jesus throws it out there and says, you hypocrites, in that moment. Because these are the religious leaders who claim that they are for God and of God. And he says, and if you are for God and of God, if you call yourself descendants of Abraham, then apparently you, Abraham's God is your God. And the God that I know, the God that Jesus says, my father is full of grace and compassion. And you are not. So you hypocrites. You see, compassionate hearts see others with the love of Christ. This woman was bound and burdened for 18 years not a stretch over that not a stretch over those 6,570 days of 18 years, did those individuals seemingly find her burden to be worth time, worth their time. You see, the religious walk by, even out of that, there was 936 days, which would be their Sabbath days out of those 18 years. That still left them 5,634 days, they could have found compassion upon her. You say, "Why does those numbers matter?" Well, I don't know if they matter that much, except for this: is that sometimes we forget that there is time to notice. And Jesus was there and noticed. He noticed the burden of the woman that she could not carry it alone. Do you, and so today I ask you this: and, and as he identifies and he sees her burden, do you know someone with a burden? If you're not here last week, I think we have this at the beginning of the slides. If we can put the definition of burden up that we said this was going to be speaking of over the next few weeks. is A burden is a heavy load that one cannot carry on their, on their own. right? And so I pose that question to you. Do you know someone who has a burden? Something, something that is going on or some, in someone's life that's either situational or spiritual or seasonal that we talked about last week that their burden that you've been watching, whether it's been for one day or 365 days, do you know someone who has a burden? You see, so far, so far in the word, there's this word in our, in our English language, and there's a word that's been haunting, really, the church since back, well, even God's people with Moses. It's this three-letter word. Are you ready for it? I want you to say it with me. But. Ready? Say it with me. But. But. It's a word that haunts us in our identifying of burdens of others in living it out and acting. You see, maybe you understand. It goes like this. They are hurting, but I just don't know what to say, right? But. Or she could she could use a friend, but. He has an addiction, but. I want to love them, but. The church is very neat, but, right? That's a very lame one, but very neat, but. See, and but hinders our, hi- our hearts to live out what our eyes see when we are clothed with Christ. You see, that word but is something that I think is interesting, is when I'm guilty of it on so many levels, so many levels. Is it so-and-so really can use something to call them? Well, I'll do that, but I need to this. Is it but, but, but? And for us, I think for the is we are in the same boat sometimes, just as the religious leaders were. Is that they they see and they were dictated by this word, but is that it? This woman needs help, but it's the Sabbath, right? This woman could use c- kindness and compassion, but our donkeys need water. But thank the Lord, this is not Jesus's way. Jesus understood what was potentially the biggest but. It was. The religious hearts, it was their selfish hearts. That's what was inhibiting them. And notice what verse 17 tells us. It says this. It says, when he said this, this is Jesus, all his opponents were, I want you to read this together with me, were what? Okay, now if you have a little bit of a high inside, like we're going to get back at somebody, right? Jesus won. You don't have to get back at the religious leaders. Like Jesus won, it says they were humiliated. But the people but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing, right? It's such an interesting thing that in this, in this passage, in this ending, and there's really two things that jump out to me. There are two groups of people. One is the, the opponents. <laughs> the opponents. I like how the writer there uses that word. It's not someone who was against, just against something. It's someone who you were actually going to battle against, right? is that they were in opposition, not to Jesus, but they were opposition to the compassion and grace of God. And therefore, it says they were humiliated. Now, now deep inside me, I have to be honest with you, I'm like, that's awesome, okay, like, that's great. Now, I don't want, like, not, that sounds cold-hearted, and not intended to be, but when people are rude or, or, or religious, and they, caught, they just live that way, so they can be better than somebody else, it's always good when the, the, the playing field is leveled. But we don't have to do that, as Jesus did it in one, and this is the other group of people, it says, but the people. When you read through scripture and it says people, it's usually referring to onlookers. It's usually referring to people that are outside the Jewish faith. People that would be Gentiles, or those who were just observers, right? And those observers said that they were delighted, it says they were delighted at all the wonderful things that Jesus was doing. You see, in this place, in this space today, as we look at this and understand more deeply about what it means to look and identify the burden, we have to understand that the burdens that are in others' life and our life, most of the time they go unattended, not because we don't notice them, but because we notice them with the wrong eyes. In other words, we notice them with the wrong eyes because our heart is in the wrong place or someone else's heart is the wrong place. It's, it's baffling to me. That There are orphans all around the world, and the church can say there's orphans all around the world, but we don't really eliminate, or eliminate orphans. Does that make sense? It's somewhat baffling to me, and I'm not putting myself in any other position. I'm with you. like I'm processing this, that there are people who are hungry in our city. There are people who are hungry in our city, like right a mile and a half away, and we know that we can identify that, but we still kind of use the but, the, the but thing, right? Or maybe, maybe more so, is that we we just see it with the wrong eyes. Is that maybe we're seeing it with a political eye? Is that if we just had the right government and the right people, they could help make a fix of something, right? Maybe we're we're seeing it with a with more of a relief eye. If we just had enough canned food, we could help help somebody. I want you to notice something that with this woman, Jesus did not take her to the doctor. He didn't find an outside source. He actually just he healed her in the name of in the name and the power of God. You see, as the band comes today, as we button this up, is that when we share in the burden with others, critics are silenced and the burden re- experience relief. I think that's so important to know. Is because I wanted you to know that there are sometimes there are critics even with the greatest movement of God. Did did you know that? Like, and, and I've started to realize is that sometimes there are people who are critics, and the reason they're critics is because it doesn't fit in the, well, the Sabbath day idea. All right, can we say that in the religious Sabbath day idea? I watched a video this last week of a stand-up comedian, he's a Christian comedian, and he actually had a video, you can look it up on Facebook or Twitter, and they did a well-known pastor's fantasy draft, okay? Like, it was a good deal. It's as though like you would do football fantasy draft, but they put well-known pastors from around the country up on the wall and they did a draft, right? And as they did the draft, I wish I could show you the video, but copyright-wise, we can't do that. And so uh, with the draft, it was really great that they drafted one guy who, who has a really large church It's really great. And he says, it's, it's awesome. It's going to be good. You come and you feel good and you leave and you feel good, you know, the ins and outs. And he goes on and there's someone else. They, they drafted a, a woman who, who teaches uh, very frequently around our, around our country. He says, good, you, you got her. Now you have the woman demographic, right? You have a good, well-rounded team he goes on to say there's another guy who drafts a a younger guy who actually wears skinny jeans and and all the ins and outs. He says, perfect, you got the millennials like your team is building. And all the while he puts that out there just as a joke and a lighthearted deal. And there's people who came back and just criticized him, right, and criticized him. That you're making fun of my, quote, pastor, you're making fun of this, you're making fun of that, right. And he came out with a video this last week that just jumped back at that. He says, you know, I want to tell you, he says, when it shakes out in the end, he says, the beautiful thing is, is that I wasn't trying to criticize anybody. It was all in good lightheartedness. He said, I've actually visited almost every one of those pastor's churches. and As I visited them, I walked away going, man, they actually care for people. They care for people. And church, I want you to hear that with Countryside here. We want to be a church that everly grow, evermore grows to identify the burdens of others, not with the wrong heart. Not with the wrong eyes, but with the love and with the identity of Christ himself. And next week we'll look at what does it mean to be a blessing. How do we bless others? See, Jesus healed them and some of you right away is like, I can't heal anybody. I can't heal anybody. I want to offer you up something. You can bring healing to many people's lives because you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Will you stand with us as we pray? Father, we come to you. And Lord, here this moment. I just pray that you help us worship you with The right heart and the right spirit. Let our eyes see with the right heart. Let our heart pursue you with the right intentions. Let us leave our religious thoughts and religious tendencies on a shelf and at the door today. Father, eradicate that from our lives as we open up, as we open and worship you with our hearts. Father, we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray.